Many of us today are experiencing a feeling of exile. More frequently, we hear or say, I miss the way things were, a phrase commonly spoken about changes that are, at first, experienced as unwelcome, like a relationship ending, losing a job, or losing a place of privilege. But sometimes, it is in the midst of seasons of displacement that the greatest growth occurs and the greatest blessings are found. The exile of the Bible was a time of massive displacement when Israel was forced to leave behind many of its norms. And yet, it was during this season of loss that the Jewish faith underwent its most powerful and transformative spiritual growth. This Lent, by exploring the spiritual awakening of exile, we pastors hope to focus on areas needing attention in the church and country today. Join us as we go deeper into the search of faith to discover what can be found precisely when we think so much has been lost. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that your word find a home in our lives and that we might find our home in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. During the Sundays of Lent, we have looked at what it means to be a people of God in exile. Let's reflect a bit on what we have learned along the way. When Judah, the southern nation of Israel, falls to the Babylonians, it is thought to be the worst disaster possible. The visible markers of being a nation of God are lost. National boundaries, king, temple, laws that supported a state religion, all lost. Will the Jews survive the exile or would it destroy them? Well, it turns out that's the wrong question. The exile turns out to be ultimately where the Jewish faith finds its most powerful spiritual awakening. This happens when many find a new and powerful way to be a people of God, and they come to a startling realization. Our home is not in a nation. Our home is with God. To be Jewish is not to be a nation, but to be a people among the nations. It is to be a people who seek blessing from God in order to be a blessing in the world. It is to be a people who live according to the moral commands of a tradition witnessed to in sacred writings and passed on through the wisdom of parents and teachers and preachers. It is to be a people who seek justice and compassion, not just for their own people, but for all, including the Babylonians in need around them. It is to worship in homes and local synagogues rather than thinking that God is honored only by worship offered by high priests in some faraway majestic temple. And it is to understand that obedience to God is not satisfied with being a good citizen of a state, but in keeping moral commands. Indeed, obedience is motivated not so much by outward coercion, but inward conviction. Christians sometimes think that the Hebrew scriptures are rendered irrelevant now that we have Jesus to go by. This is unfair not only to the Jewish faith, but also to the Bible. It's time that we honored our elders. Hearing of the spirituality of the exile that I described to you 
Isn't it clear that Christians in America have many reasons to give thanks to the Jews of exile because so much of our theological DNA today, our belief in the authority of Scripture, our call for inner conviction and public witness, the priesthood of all believers, our doctrine of grace, the separation of church and state, they all became strong convictions in exile. And here we just assume it. And these convictions became stronger when the exile ends, when Persia allows exiles to return to the homeland if they want to, and many Jews decide, thank you, but no thanks. And they stay in foreign lands, which are now their homes, because they found there a home with God. They are the dispersed, and they become known as the diaspora. But let's be clear. To speak of the Jewish faith coming into its most mature expression in exile is not to say that all Jews fall in line. There are many Jews in exile and left behind in Israel who cling to that nationalistic hope that, will, that they will only be a true blessed people of God if they become again the mighty nation of Israel. And this hope feeds the enthusiasm of many who wave palms and shout hosannas when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. But as last Sunday made clear, that is the wrong kind of homecoming. Today, let's consider what the right kind of homecoming might be, and that is finding God where we are. I want us to honor Jesus as a king in the line of David but a different kind of king, of Jerusalem as a holy city, but not the Jerusalem that Jesus entered, of the kingdom of God, but not a kingdom with defined and defended borders, of the law of God, but that law being the commands of love, not the commands of the state. I want us to honor the God of exile by celebrating the God of the resurrection. Listen to part of John's account of the resurrection and then to a reflection on its meaning from Revelation. First from John, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And then this reflection from Revelation, which might have been written by the same author, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people's, plural, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death 
will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Now, those are the two passages listed in your bulletin, but as I wrote this sermon, I came up with one more that you have to hear. Don't worry, even though I'm reading three passages, I'm actually almost done. (laughs) The third passage is a theological affirmation of Christ who came, Christ who lived, Christ who died, and Christ who rose from the dead. As I read Philippians 2, listen for the call for followers of Jesus to be the people who seek the blessing of others. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Regard others as better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in the mind of Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in a human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. I would love to dive deep into all three passages, but today we'll simply celebrate the nature of God to whom these passages attest. I want to celebrate the God of exile. Not right now, not today, the Jewish exile of history that some date is 586 to 538 BC, but the exile that all of us know, the exile of searching of sin, of death, of life itself, of each of our lives. Jesus is the word made flesh, John's gospel tells us. And this word that was with God did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself and lived among us. The love of heaven, in other words, is exile to earth. As God makes a home in a far land, God makes a home in our humanity. And look how the story of Jesus is then told by the Gospels to drive that point home. Jesus is born when his family is in exile, being placed in a manger because there's no room for them in the end. And he dies in exile, crucified and buried outside the walls of Jerusalem. And in between his birth and his death, All his good works are done and all his good words are spoken as he is on the move, having no place, he says, to rest his head. He is on the move, eating in other people's homes, moving from town to town, moving from towns and out into the wilderness, traveling into Jewish places, and then moving out into Gentile lands, 
teaching and healing Jew and Gentile alike, teaching that forgiveness of enemies is at the heart of what it means to love. And this includes Babylonians and Samaritans who have Assyrian blood in them, the two defeaters of Israel and Judah. And then, oh yes, let's remember the resurrection. The grave, the place of death, becomes the source of life. And the resurrected Jesus gives these final instructions to the disciples. Go to Jerusalem, then beyond to Judea, then beyond to Samaria, and then beyond to all the world and all the nations, and make followers of all the nations, not citizens of Israel, or not those who agree on a creed, but followers in the way of Jesus, the way of justice, of love, of compassion, and reconciliation. The theological affirmation that God's love is exiled to our humanity leads to this theological affirmation. Home is where we belong, and we belong with God. In this world, we're always going to live in exile. And it's when we accept that, when we accept our mortality, when we admit and face our wrongs, when we see the foolishness of thinking that power is virtue and that lies are truth, when in humility we know our need, then we can experience the homecoming that is called grace. We can know the good news of the first beatitude, which I offer in this way. Blessed are those who know their need for God, because then they find a home with God. The new Jerusalem of which Revelation speaks is not a city found in a hill in Israel, but it's the community of those who promote justice and show kindness. The kingdom of God is not some nation that is defined and defended by borders. It is the community of the redeemed who, by grace and out of gratitude, join with others in witnessing to all people how to be a people of justice and compassion. That is, no matter where we live or where we are in life or who we are, we have a home with God. We are in the world, but not of it. Resident aliens is what Stanley Harroweth said. Our true home is not the address on the front of an envelope or being some citizen of some nation on earth. It is not some cause or ideology that we think is going to save us and save the world. We begin to find our home in God's love and loving others. And then when we are exiled from this life we lead, we will then come to that place that Jesus prepared for us. And then we will know, not in part, but face to face, what a true homecoming is. Until then, let's be faithful as we live in the exile of our lives, seeking to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.